Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Embedded Finance Unplugged, the podcast series from Andaria that is exploring the world of embedded finance, the disruptive fintech sector on course to reach a multi-billion value over the next decade. I'm your host, Graham Barrett. Now, Embedded Finance allows businesses to seamlessly integrate a series of financial products into their existing platforms. But how does it actually work in practice? On this episode, we're going to look under the bonnet, as it were, of Embedded Finance with Kurt Azapardi, CTO of Andaria. Kurt, nice to see you and welcome to the podcast. Nice to see you too. Thank you for having me today. And yes, I'm very happy to be here to discuss some of the, as you said, intricate details around the hoods of embedded finance and our journey at Andaya. Yeah, that would be great. Thanks so much. So what I'd like to start with first is to talk about embedded finance. It's still a relatively new concept, isn't it? So I guess there are still misconceptions about what it actually is. What what do you see as some of those uh, misconceptions? I'd like to highlight three main misconceptions, really. I think the first one being that embedded finance is seen as just about adding payment features to an existing uh, platform or ecosystem. And really by that, I mean just the end user having pretty much the same user experience as one would have using their, for example, traditional banks interface. In fact, some of the earliest, and we still see them today, uh, implementations of embedded finance is some fintechs really wrapping their solution and their user experience into, for example, an iframe or an SDK, which is then embedded into uh, the client's or the partner's platform. Now, really, sort of that is just when we look at, for example, the payment flow, the end user would still need to go through the same user experience of affecting a payment. So that is having your traditional sort of uh, payment form, needing to fill in the beneficiary details, needing to fill the amounts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So really, that's where we feel like the solution would be lacking in that respect. How we see it and how we would like to define embedded finance is really the ability to seamlessly integrate the payment flows within the user experience and particularly within the customer journey. That's inevitably where the more sort of complexity lies, but that's where we feel embedded finance is really more value-adding. The next misconception is that embedded finance is seen as a one-size-fits-all solution. To elaborate on that, if we look at uh, some of the clients that we have and also prospects that we discuss, I'll pick I'll pick two different uh, niches. So if we look at, for example, the insurance space, right? The payment flows there and the whole user experience is, is very different to, for example, if we had to compare that to, for example, a football club, right? If we stick to, to the insurance, even within the insurance space itself, there's quite some different intricacies. If we look at the different insurance products, so for example, motor insurance or health insurance, whilst we have the regular sort of payment flows, for example, the premium payments, which would happen on a periodic basis, if you look at the claims process around that, even within the insurance space, we've got different journeys there of how the claim uh, actually happens. But now take that to, for example, compare it to like a football club or, or any sports club for all that matter. Similarly, particularly, you can argue you've got a similar like membership payment, so to speak. But then when we look at the actual spend, we're looking more at the fan base. First of all, there's a there's more reliance on, on using a card spend. So, But we're also focusing on the actual fan base using that card to spend either at the stadium or at the football clubs, shops, for example, um, buying merchandise or really anywhere. So just 
using those two examples, we can start getting a taste of the different complexities and payment flows and user journeys that one has to deal with. So this whole one-size-fits-all solution, that's the whole point of that we feel is that is a big misconception. Lastly, that embedded finance is seen as just a technological challenge. Whilst, yes, true embedded finance solution is typically an API offering, so there's a lot of tech involvement, one cannot never forget the complexity around regulatory compliance that uh, embedded finance brings with. Also, the operational support to enable and empower the user journey, but also uh, the user experience. So a lot of focus on the user experience, because as I said earlier, the biggest value adding is how to embed the payment flows within an existing user journey um, to, to, to encapsulate the whole user experience. Okay, that's excellent. Well, take us back a step, though, because as you've already highlighted there, it's clearly very complex in terms of the fits that that could be used for embedded finance. But you're the CTO at Andaria. How did you go about developing this embedded finance solution? And and maybe what did you learn along the way? I think the main focus has always been around automation at Andaria. By that, I mean, we try and look at our own internal pain points, be it both operational or compliance or even technology for all that matter. And we aim to automate end-to-end the various processes. So if we look at, for example, the onboarding flow, if we look at, for example, transaction monitoring and yeah, all, all the stuff we'd have to do as a regulated entity, if we manage to automate all that, that will give us the ability to encapsulate all that and offer it as an API offering to our partner. And that in actual fact brought about, that's where the MVP was born, I would say, of our embedded finance product, where really all that we do internally is automated and encapsulated and offered as an API solution to our customers. But then iterating on that, we heavily focused on uh, being market ready. And by that, I mean having our infrastructure and technology and operation to be able to scale to meet the demands of embedded finance. By that, I mean, typically, if you look at, for example, I'll reiterate the example of a football club where the fan base can reach in the millions, we obviously have to have a solid and robust infrastructure to be able to automatically scale and handle that kind of volume. So we put a lot of focus on building the right infrastructure using cloud technologies to handle that kind of volume. We then moved on to building the various artifacts and solutions that are tailored for the different applications that I briefly touched upon earlier. So the different solutions for the different sectors that we're particularly dealing with. And slowly, slowly, we're building like a portfolio of solutions that can meet the requirements of the different sectors and clients as we deal with. Lastly, uh, of paramount importance, we have to recognize that we have to remain agile. It's a very competitive market out there. We've got a lot of new emerging technologies that we have to keep a constant lookout for. And we have to make sure that we can easily adapt and shift to plug and play uh, to these new providers to enhance our offering. Sometimes we look at it as even from a continuity point of view, being able to integrate with multiple providers to help us keep up with, with the scale that we're dealing with. Okay, so as I understand it, so you develop this uh, embedded finance solution and then you have all these sectors that you'd like to propose the solution to. 
How does that conversation then go? What kind of questions do those organizations have? What do they need to know? Or what are they looking to, to get from the solution? We look at this as more of a partnership with our clients in the embedded finance space, like a longer term relationship. There is a lot of uh, preliminary discussions that we go through before we actually start talking, you know, APIs, integration, so on and so forth. Primarily, we look at things like feasibility of the product and readiness uh, from their side. Like I said, embedded finance is more about embedding the payment flows uh, within an existing user experience or, or user journey. So we really take a deep dive to understand what existing flows are already included within their applications, be it web or mobile, and look at some of the pain points that they have around these flows. So we try to leverage that and maximize as much as possible the whole payment flow and ecosystem and the whole operation of how that can work. We also heavily discuss the onboarding process and the enrollment, what it looks like, and their authentication mechanisms as well. We can't forget that we're dealing with money here, so uh, we have to keep security at the forefront of everything that we do. Touching on the onboarding, I mean, we find clients who have a very elaborate onboarding process, some who are more closer to the regulated space, who have quite, uh, like I said earlier, elaborate onboarding process where they meet pretty much all the requirements they would need. So we try not to disrupt the user experience as much as possible. We try to see how we can leverage some of the technologies that they're using together with the integration with our technologies, not to, again, disrupt the whole onboarding process. The last thing that we would need is, obviously, for a customer to start using the payment services within an ecosystem to have to go through yet another onboarding process as if they're onboarding with Andaria. That would kill the whole concept of embedded finance, right? So, again, this, this is just a taste of some of the more in-depth discussions that we'll have with the actual partner or, or clients in, in this sense. There's also an element of education, right? I mean, we sometimes we take it for granted in that we, at Andaria, we obviously talk about embedded finance pretty much on a day-to-day <laughs> basis. Certain things we feel become so second nature for us that we feel that everyone around us can, can actually understand. But in truth, we have to realize that when we're approaching a new client, we have to, you know, take a step back, discuss some of the details of how the things are actually working under the hood, explain to them how they can understand and monetize out of embedded finance, give them some insights as to our reporting capabilities and how they would be able to actually look and enhance their business through data insights and business intelligence solutions. We heavily also discussed the card offering, which I'm sure Kevin touched upon earlier in the earlier podcast. I mean, cards, we, we all use cards on a day-to-day basis, but we have to obviously guide our partner to make sure we create the right card program with the right velocity limits, payment patterns, etc. that we have to configure on the cards. We also discussed as well the, the support, how that's going to work, because that's, again, of equal importance. So we talk who's going to be first-line support, who's, who's going to be second-line support, if we can help automate some of the support there um, through AI tools, etc. So again, it's it's more of a partnership and a longer term relationship that we establish. So we, we try to be all encompassing in that respect. Yeah. So I guess all of these conversations are about exciting the clients about you know the potential for this embedded finance solution, but also reassuring them, as you say, that this can be done safely and that this can be transported into their existing infrastructure. So talk to me about that. How do you actually integrate your API suite 
into their infrastructure? Is that is that quite a long process? Is that a complicated process? How does that work? So, I mean, having said all that, we always try to look at uh, quick wins, right? So we'll see basically what our current uh, suite of APIs has to offer. And if there's something that we can use from a go-to-market point of view to launch the product quickly, that's obviously, we see that as a win-win. So, I mean, that's one thing we definitely look at. But uh, equally important, we also discuss any potential gaps that there are. We scope those out properly. We make sure there's proper requirements that we will then take on from a tech team to actually enhance our offering and work in parallel to the rest of the integration, right? Which we call the traditional integration. In that sense, we have a a sandbox environment, which we try to keep a replica of live as much as possible, both in terms of performance, both in terms of the whole API definition, et cetera. We definitely share some very detailed documentation and we go through like a support program that will help our customers to actually engage and integrate with our API. We also leverage a platform on the cloud, which gives very thorough, not only documentation, but also code samples to our clients to help them get up to speed in terms of using in those code samples to actually integrate with our APIs. And lastly, the testing, right? So at every step, we make sure that any integration is properly tested to make sure that there is a robust solution and integration that's actually implemented. Now, you mentioned some sectors earlier. You were talking about insurance. You were talking about sports clubs. So the API suite, is that bespoke to each sector then? Can you tailor it to a sector and know that if it works for, say, one sports club, you know it's going to work for another? Or are there still challenges that exist there? We try. No, I, I wouldn't go as far as saying it's definitely not client bespoke, right? It's more probably akin to what you said, more sector specific. But really from an API point of view, abstraction is key there, right? So I'll use a simple example to explain what I mean here. When we look at payment, I mean, for your average job out there, a payment is just a payment, right? And true, there are so many intricacies around the payment. We start discussing the payment trails, whether it's SEPA, SWIFT, FPS, etc. The fees that apply behind certain payments, the, the transaction monitoring that goes on, there are so many intricacies, whether it's an outgoing payment or what we refer to as a peer-to-peer payment within a closed-loop network. So that's just around the payment, right? But really, we abstract all that complexity and we feel that's our role in the embedded finance space in that we offer a payment as a single API. Right. So whether they want, like I said earlier, to go to, to sorry, to do a payment that is peer-to-peer or a payment that is using different trails, the client should not care about that. That's our complexity to deal with. So in that sense, abstraction is key. Now, taking that to a next level, really our API suite, we try and standardize as much as possible. And whenever we feel we need to develop a solution that is very bespoke or specific to a sector, we try as much as possible to do that more what we call our middleware. So it sits behind the front or the API of our customers. And we do it mostly, you know, for, for management overall. It will be it can end up a nightmare having to deal with multiple different endpoints for different kinds of clients or different uh, specific sectors. So as much as possible, let's call it the products and the nuance around the products or the complexity around the specific product for a sector, we try and abstract that as much as possible in a similar fashion to what I said for a payment within our own middleware that we build in-house at Andaya. And just before we get into the next section in terms of the launch of the embedded finance solution, how long could this typically take, would you say? 
There's no, there's no straight answer here. I mean, like I said earlier, we typically try to identify quick wins. And let's say there are some of the strongest capabilities that we have already available in our API. Then therefore, I would say an integration can look at somewhere in the region of one month, maximum two months. But the journey just doesn't stop there. Like I said earlier, this we see this more of a long-term partnership, right? We see what we can maximize out of the relationship. We can we see how we, we also have a good look at the customer's roadmap in terms of what future services they are planning to offer within their platform, within their app. And we see how we can actually integrate payment services within those user journeys. So really, it's very rare that once we go live, the ball kind of stops there and move completely into support mode. But I would say, look, on, on, on average, it would typically be ranging between, uh, from, from a tech integration point of view, purely between two to three months at most. And what about the launch itself? Is that kind of a, a soft launch to start with on the go-live date? Before launch, I mean, a couple of steps back, actually, we have, to, we have to keep a lot of focus on the testing side of things. We make sure that the solution is properly tested. We review the integration that they've done to make sure that it's sort of the most efficient from even from a tech point of view, right? To limit as much as possible different uh, data flows that are happening for different kinds of requests. So we also look at the security testing as well, conscious that we're dealing with real money here, so real money over people. So we have to make sure that security is top-notch. Um, uh, we have a team here who are dedicated and focused on that. Once we gain that comfort, we start with what we refer to as a penny test, where we actually you know, start using the platform in a production environment with real money, with real accounts, real items, real cards, and making sure that the whole flow and the ecosystem is working as intended. Like you said earlier, then we then move on to like a soft launch, like we call it a friends and family launch, where actually the, the, the customer themselves or, the, or the, the people that we're dealing with, with from a partner point of view are actually using the service. And then we make sure we plan very paced uh, rollout, so to speak. The last thing we want is for a customer to offer or enable the service for all their customer base at one go. And we do that, I mean, not not because of, of technical and system limitations, but more importantly, because we have to make sure that there's a gradual ramp up, making sure that the service is being utilized properly. And then obviously the more once the more comfort that we gain, the more then sort of we can accelerate the the growth and launch of the product. Now, you've been at pains to stress throughout this whole conversation that this is a partnership. So how much support is needed post-integration? I think we need to look at support uh, as having two facets here. We have to look at the operational support, right? I mean, ultimately, we're still dealing with car payments, normal uh, SEPA or SWIFT or, or, or FPS payments or the different payment trails. So there's the regulatory side as well. So we have to be cognizant that our client may have issues vis-a-vis -vis the payments themselves. But more importantly, or equally important, I would say there's the technical service that we would offer and support. We try to take a proactive approach here as much as possible. So we have various monitoring tools in place 
to monitor the system performance. We have automatic scaling. So if there is a, a peak in, in certain loads or, or certain payments, etc., that we're seeing or card spend, we have our solutions that can automatically scale to handle that load. But like I said earlier, I mean, we focus on, on, on proactiveness here. We constantly monitor the requests that are happening. We make sure that the integration is implemented in its most feasible and efficient way possible, like I said, to maximize on the performance side of things. We also have to keep in mind that, like I said earlier, this is uh, an iterative process and we're regularly looking to enhance our product. The challenge there is making and implementing those enhancements on a live solution, right? So making sure that there is minimal to no disruption as much as possible whenever we need to implement and deploy updates. So communication is key there. In fact, we also make sure that on a regular basis, there are meetings held with various account managers, both from our parts and obviously the partner side. And then that's, you know, we use it as a bit of an open forum to discuss progress, what we're seeing, what they're seeing. Ultimately, they know their clients more than we do in that sense. So we look at ways to enhance the the overall offering. Now, we said at the start of this conversation that embedded finance is still in its infancy, really. How do you see the industry maturing? What, what are you excited about where embedded finance could go to next? I feel we definitely need to see more adoption in that sense. And adoption, touching to my first point around, uh, let's call it deeper embedding, it's not just you know integrating some payment flows or payment screens into an existing platform. So really embedding uh, payment services or card spend uh, services within an existing user journey. So we really need, I feel we need to see more of that. There's the regulatory side, which again, I feel there needs to be an element of regulatory kind of catching up with the newest and latest technological trends and developments. Lastly, I would say more adoption in the SMB space. I think embedded finance so far has been associated in uh, larger ecosystems and the larger enterprise where there is significant volumes, larger ecosystems. I think once we see more of that, the world, let's call it, becomes more accustomed and understanding of embedded finance and the benefits that this can reap for both the user as well as the business itself. So I think the next stage would also be more adoption within the SMB space. Well, listen, as ever, we're excited to see the potential here. We're excited to see where this may go. Thanks so much for for taking me through, you know, under the bonnet, as I said, of embedded finance. Kurt Azapardi, thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. There are plenty more conversations to explore as part of this Embedded Finance podcast series. Please like, follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please do give us a positive rating and review. You can find out more about how Andaria is broadening access to digital financial services for businesses around the globe at andaria.com. But for now, thank you for listening and goodbye.